Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Circle of nature around us. Circle of nature within us. Circle of nature inspires us. Circle of nature connects us. Welcome to Circle of Nature. This is Selena Fox, and I invite you to join me for a look at at paganism as world religion. Paganism is a term that has been used in a variety of ways over the years. How I'm using it today is as synonymous with nature religion and nature spirituality. Not only referring to those forms of spiritual belief and practice from antiquity, but what is happening now um, in the 21st century. Many of the forms of contemporary paganism have origins in the ancient ways of Europe and the Mediterranean. However, as paganism in the USA and in some other parts of the world has grown and developed in recent decades, it has become increasingly multicultural, interreligious, multilingual, and of course, international. Paganism is a world religion with practitioners throughout the United States of America and more than 200 countries in the world. It is seen by many as a kind of folkways religion that incorporates animistic worldviews magical practices, and nature communion. I capitalized pagan and paganism and have been among those scholars and authors and networkers that are advocating for the capitalization of pagan and paganism. It gives us the same consideration and 
ways of being in the printed world as other world religions. However, misunderstanding, discrimination, and suppression of nature religion, nature spirituality, paganism old and new, is something that still needs to be dismissed and changed in the world today. And there are some people and some systems of belief that have not yet been able to evolve and understand the importance of inclusion, equal rights, religious freedom for those of pagan ways and of other nature-centered paths of religion, spirituality, and philosophy. I want to share with you some of the ways of viewing paganism and considering it that I have shared as part of diversity training I have done over the last 40 years um, in public and private institutions, at conferences, at workshops. And some of these presentations have been at interreligious gatherings, bringing together people from many different spiritual traditions, religious paths, and philosophies. I talk about paganism having a variety of forms. One of the more known of these forms is the Wiccan religion and things associated with that, the craft. Um, some people call it witchcraft, although that term is complicated by the fact that some people who use it to define their practices do not see that as a form of religion at all, but as a kind of practice. There are different forms of Wiccan religion and spirituality. British traditional Wicca, Gardnerian, Alexandrian, there's the fairy tradition, and a Dianic, um, and a tradition I helped birth called the circle craft tradition. In addition to the craft, there is Druidry. And Druidry in the world today now takes a variety of different forms as well. Obad, ADF, RDNA, Keltria, the Druid Network, and many others. A third form of paganism is heathenism. That said, some heathens prefer to use the heathen word and don't consider 
their practices as pagan, but some form of heathenry. There are different forms of heathenism. Um, Asatru, the Northern Way, Saxon um, paganism, um, Slavic paganism, a number of forms. Um, most of heathenry has its roots in the old pagan religions of Northern Europe, of Scandinavia, of Iceland, and now heathenry, as well as Druidry and the craft, have become worldwide with groups, as well as individual practitioners in many parts of the world. In addition to these three branches of paganism, there are what I call ethnic survivals. This would include the Sami, the indigenous people in Sweden, Norway, other parts of Scandinavia, the Kafir Kalash in Pakistan, which has its roots in the connections of those who are with Alexander the Great, um, ancient pagan warrior king, um, and people in the Pakistan area. So going back in antiquity, uh, there was a blending of peoples at that time. In addition to ethnic survivals where there is some continuation of the old traditional ways of nature into contemporary times, most of the ethnic derived forms of paganism are actually revivals. And sometimes this is known as reconstructionism. We have Baltic paganism, Greek paganism, Roman paganism, Egyptian or Kemetic paganism, Celtic paganism, um, many other kinds, including um, different contemporary forms of Slavic paganism. Another form of paganism is what I call blended paganism. One of the most well-known examples is Unitarian Universalist pagan. Um, this is taking Unitarian Universalism, which is a spiritual and religious tradition in its own right, and blending it with pagan spirituality. And there um, is the covenant of Unitarian Universalist pagans that provides support work um, for UU pagans. Another form of blended paganism is Christopagan paganism. And there have been books written about Christopaganism and um, many practitioners who are Christian as they delve into nature mysticism have discovered the pagan um, resonance of communing with nature and have then blended 
pagan spirituality with Christian spirituality. Hermeticism, which um, has connections with ceremonial magic, is blending together a number of different forms. Hermeticism has some roots that go way back into antiquity, really developed um, more fully during the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. And here you have some bits of uh, Jewish mystical tradition, Christian ceremonial magic, Egyptian um, traditions woven together um, with some other influences. The final category of paganism is eco-spirituality. Sometimes this is known as green spirituality, nature-centered spirituality, earth-centered spirituality, eco-feminism. My church is in the woods. Uh, at Circle Sanctuary, uh, the church and community that I helped birth back in 1974, we have people with connections with one or more of these forms of paganism as part of their personal practices and inspirations. Some um, pagan churches today focus on a particular form of paganism. Others are more universal. And Circle Sanctuary has had a long-standing connection with a number of universalist-focused spiritual and religious traditions. In fact, um, in addition to me serving as senior minister of Circle Sanctuary, I also have had many decades connecting with the Unitarian Universalist realm as guest minister doing Sunday services at UU churches. And yes, as part of my work, I'm an interreligious minister, and I've also gone in and been a guest um, religious leader in a variety of other communities that are part of world religions. What are some of the common beliefs across these diverse forms of paganism? Honoring the divine through nature. Now I recognize that some pagans don't consider themselves as a practitioner of a nature religion because they are choosing to do their practices um, through their meditations um, with indoors and not really getting out into the natural world. But when I talk about honoring the divine through nature, I capitalize nature and I see nature as not only the a natural environment, but cities, suburbs, small towns, as well as rural areas and very remote wild places. These are all part of nature. And I view that nature is not just 
uh, describing the biosphere here on planet Earth. Nature is not just Earth-centered, planted-centered. It is cosmic as well. Another important belief that goes across the different forms of paganism is the interconnectedness of all. There's an emphasis on the direct encounter and experience of the sacred and the idea that the divine is indwelling, it's eminent. But for many pagan paths, the divine also has a transcendent dimension. The divine can have multiple forms, including the sacred feminine. And honoring the ancestors, respect for the dead is central to many pagan paths. Reincarnation and afterlife is um, part of most, if not all, pagan traditions. The idea of the afterlife, uh, it may be called by a number of different um, terms, the other world, the summer land, Tirnanog, a Celtic term for the land of eternal youth. The idea is that we live our life in our incarnation and after death, we do have a hereafter. Another common belief that goes across these different forms of paganism is the importance of balance, harmony, truth, responsibility, love, service. And there's ethics. Now the form ethics and values takes can be stated in a variety of different ways. Within Wiccan spirituality, we have the Wiccan read, and it harm none, do what you will. Um, it, amongst heathenry, the nine nor noble virtues. So there's different ways and forms of expressing ethics. Now these beliefs that I've outlined, these are common across these various forms, but each of the forms may not have, and a form of the form may not have all of these. Um, I share these as a way of getting some good understanding about diversity and some commonality within paganism today as a world religion. Also across, the different forms of paganism. Spiritual practices. These can vary with the individual practitioner with the particular path of the form of paganism, with the community that one may be practicing with. Many pagans have a daily spiritual practice. It may take the form of a meditation, um, 
doing prayers, invocations, incantations, divinations, giving thanks, doing offerings, spiritual studies, spiritual service. Across different forms of paganism, a celebration of the seasons is very common. Many pagan practitioners today around the world celebrate what is known as the wheel of the year. This includes the beginnings and midpoints of each of the four seasons. The solstices, the equinoxes, and the midpoints between which are the Celtic fire festivals. That said, some forms of pagan practice may be focused on a particular constellation of seasonal observances. Some will celebrate just the solstices. Some may celebrate solstices and equinoxes. Some of the Celtic reconstruction traditions just celebrate the Celtic fire festivals. But by far, what I have found in my networking over the last 50 plus years amongst pagans of many paths is the growing predominance of the wheel of the year. In the circle craft tradition, which I helped birth many years ago, we begin our year with Samhain in late October in the Northern Hemisphere, then go to Yuletide, winter solstice, then Imolk or Bridget's time at the beginning of February, spring equinox, um, we call it welcome spring. Some people call that holiday Ostara um, in March. Beltane, um, late April, beginning of May. Summer solstice or midsummer. It's another name for that. And Litha is a name that it got in the 1970s America as the wheel of the year was becoming um, developed across traditions. And then in late July and early August, we have Lunasa or Lamas. Um, the term Lamas meaning loaf mess uh, comes from Anglo-Saxon, Christianity and before that paganism. And while some try to make a distinction between Lunasa, the ancient pagan term for this holiday, and Lamas as being the Christian term at a separate festival, my own research into the Wheel of the Year has shown it's more complicated than that because as Contemporary paganism emerged in 1950s, 1960s, 1970s in the USA and some other parts of the world. Each of these Sabbath holidays um, was given a name. And for many years, many people in the USA used Lamas rather than Lunasa. 
Then we turn the wheel towards autumn equinox or Mabin. The name Mabin is also a more current name for that holiday. We call that festival Welcome Fall. And taking us back to Samhain again, and each of these holidays, eight holidays, actually have some traditions from the ancient past and more contemporary times that have found their way into popular culture and civic um, celebrations of the seasons. So for Samhain, Halloween, Days of the Dead, Feast of the Dead, for Yuletide, winter solstice, Christmas um, is what many people know that name of the seasonal holiday as, but it also includes New Year, the solar New Year and the calendar New Year. For Imok, we have Groundhog's Day or Candlemas is another name that this holiday time got during the Middle Ages and some Wiccan traditions and other forms of paganism still prefer the Candlemas term, perhaps easier to say for some than Imok. For Spring Equinox, um, Ostara, well, the name Ostara um, is connected with an ancient goddess and the word Easter is derived from her name. And while Easter is a Christian holiday, some of the traditions of spring equinox and the coming of spring and the symbols, eggs and coloring eggs and, and rabbits, new life, um, seeds sprouting, uh, they are all now woven into Easter celebrations, Christian Easter celebrations, as well as secular ones. For Beltane, May Day, um, there is May Eve, May Day, and there is a more recent holiday called Mother's Day that happens uh, this in the USA, the second Sunday in May. And why I link that as uh, something influenced by Beltane and bringing in the May traditions is the use of flowers and um, the connection with mothers and motherhood. And summer solstice, we have Father's Day that happens around that time of year. But there's also another holiday that has some of the old solstice traditions woven into that. And that is the 4th of July in the USA. Um, the United States of America was born um, right at midsummer or summer solstice time. Indeed, some of the founders of the USA were also practitioners of masonry, and that was considered um, an important holiday, the June 23rd in particular. In old Europe, um, as it shifted from being predominantly pagan to Christian, that holiday became known as St. John's Day. 
for John the Baptist. And six months after that, at winter solstice, which is sometimes known as midwinter, that holiday is associated with the birth of Jesus. However, there is no um, indication in the Bible when Jesus was born. And there's speculation he actually, um, if indeed those who consider Jesus as a historical figure, um, would see that he'd be born in the spring rather than December, because that's when people would be tending their flocks by night. As we go to Lunasa, how is that in popular culture and civic ob observations? Well, that is country fair time here in many parts of the USA and some other parts of, of the world. And the idea of the festival of first fruits and um, getting together is something that's ancient as well. There still is something called the Lamas Fair in old Ireland, in Ireland today. And actually in contemporary times, that holiday actually occurs at the end of August rather than at the beginning of August when it would be more likely um, to see be seen as part of the Lunasa celebration. As we get to autumn equinox, this is Harvest Thanksgiving. And in the USA, we celebrate our Thanksgiving, our official Thanksgiving, secular-wise, in November. However, many of those symbols and customs connected with autumn equinox are now woven into American Thanksgiving. Well, that brings us back to Samhain, Halloween, Days of the Dead. And there's pagan influences throughout the US and in other parts of the world that aren't always acknowledged or appreciated. But through my own studies of art and archeology, span history, and um, other fields of study, I've come to see that paganism has continued to be in the world even after there were so many attempts to suppress it, to extinguish it. I do hope that with greater understanding about paganism and its diverse forms and practices, there can be not only more understanding, but that we truly can have religious freedom and equality for all. Many of the forms of paganism around the world will have emblems that distinguish the different forms of paganism from one another. There are some symbols that are used across the different forms, and then there's some that are more aligned with a particular form. The pinnacle is um, used not only within a number of Wiccan and craft traditions, but some pagans who aren't grounded there 
have taken that as their emblem of belief. The pinnacle itself has its roots in classical Greece, when it was a symbol used by Pythagoras as part of his mystery school. People primarily know Pythagoras for his contributions to geometry, but Pythagoras was really looking at harmonics and a variety of different concepts involving not only well-being here on planet Earth, but cosmically. And the pinnacle in the Pythagorean traditions, and there are people who are reviving that old mystery school, uh, was sacred to Hygieia, a goddess of well-being. The Ankh is used also across some pagan traditions, eclectic pagan traditions, as well as comedic traditions, traditions um, which draw on inspiration from ancient Egypt, and that would include some hermetic traditions. The Thor's hammer, Molinar, is widely used by heathens of many types. The Awen is used by a variety of druids, and I'm happy to report that the pinnacle, the Thor's hammer, and the Awen are emblems that now can be on gravestones issued by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs to mark the graves of deceased veterans with those faith tradition orientations. Some other emblems that are used in more general ways are the triple moon, waxing, waning, and full moon with the fourth phase, the dark moon, new moon, not being visible, the spiral. And this is not only something that has been beloved in contemporary times, but the ancient sacred site of New Grange in Ireland has is one of the ancient pagan sites with spirals on it. And of course, there's the eight-spoke wheel of the year. I'm going to play a singing bowl now. And this singing bowl uh, came to me from someone who studied with me, became part of the Circle Sanctuary community, and was part of a women's spirituality group that um, we were all part of that was part of the Circle Sanctuary community back in the 1980s. And it's a singing bowl that she brought from Japan. And I've literally taken this around the world um, prior to embracing Wiccan spirituality. She was a Roman Catholic nun, and she was one of our first Christo-pagans within the Circle Sanctuary community. And as she went to Japan, she had contact with Shinto, as well as with Buddhism. And this singing bowl is connected with those traditions. And now singing bowls of different types are being used not only as a musical instrument, um, for concerts and for healing, but in a variety of spiritual traditions.
paganism around the world. Paganism around the world. Join me now with a journey through time, more contemporary times, where I share some of my own direct experiences and knowledge of paganism's development as world religion in the larger multi-religious or interfaith world. Throughout human history, uh, people, there's been diversity of religious, spiritual, and philosophical beliefs. A lot of what was practiced long ago, we don't have full information on. We have remnant information, maybe in the form of some artifacts that have been discovered by archaeologists, um, some cave paintings, some ceremonial objects, clear quartz crystals um, have been used by humankind for thousands of years. They've shown up in some ancient ceremonial sites. Um, so we know that diversity is part of the natural world. And having that diversity in harmony is a form of well-being. And we today can celebrate the growing diversity within paganism and within the halls of religion as a whole. I invite you to um, join me on this look back. So when did paganism start getting identified as a world religion? And when I say paganism in this context, it's contemporary paganism. For me, it was late 70s, early um, 80s, as paganism started becoming more visible in the United States, in the UK, and some other parts of the world. The growth of the festival movement in the United States was a big influence on this and festivals and conferences that brought together practitioners of many paths um, have been around since at least the 1970s. And um, a festival that happened um, back in late 70s and early 80s brought together more than had happened in the past, practitioners to celebrate nature at a campground and to celebrate pagan diversity. I helped organize a festival um, called the Pan-Pagan Festival. It was something started by the Midwest Pagan Council back in the mid 70s. I was at the very first one in 1977 in Indiana and and 
as it um, evolved, um, it took, it attracted the attention of some media reporters and Time Magazine, which is a major imprint publication in those pre-internet days and continues to be an influential mainstream press publication, had a world, uh, had a religion page and paganism got featured as a result of a reporters and a reporter and photographer that came to that particular festival. So that was one of the first indications that paganism not only was growing and existing, but it was classified as religion. 1980, there was an international interfaith conference in Chicago, Illinois, USA. It was called the Human Unity Conference. I was among the speakers there. And how I got invited was through my interfaith work through Circle Sanctuary. So I not only spoke at that conference, but performed music with my partner at the time, Jim Allen. Most of the religious leaders at that conference were from Abrahamic religions and from religions that have their origins in Asia. I was one of the few females and religious leaders there and one of the only pagans there. As you will find as I talk about paganism as world religion in interfaith settings, a lot has changed in the last four decades or so. Another important milestone for paganism being accepted, understood, and viewed as a world religion happened in 1993 the parliament of the world's religions. And the first parliament of the world's religions was in 1893 in Chicago. And that for many was the start of the modern interfaith movement. The Human Unity Conference is an example of an international conference that preceded the centennial rebirth of the Parliament of the World's Religions. Another one happened in Canada. It was the International Interfaith Dialogue Conference for Women sponsored by the World Council of Churches at Victoria University in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Margot Adler and I were invited to be at this very small conference. There are a few dozen women from faith traditions from all around the world. And so prior to the parliament, rebirth, there were already um, events and networking that was creating an opening for paganism to join and be accepted and invited um, as a world religion. The 1993 parliament brought together not only those traditions that had been part of the 1893 parliament, but 
nature traditions were front and center in many ways. That not only includes contemporary pagan traditions of various types, but indigenous traditions from the Americas. And it was very transformative to be part of that parliament of the world's religions. And the parliament has continued to meet every few years in different parts of the world. And I'll share some more about um, different parliaments that happened since the 1993 parliament. Not everyone was pleased that pagans were included at the 1993 parliament. There were 200 religious organizations and groups that were sponsors of the Centennial 1993 Parliament of the World's Religions in Chicago. Circle Sanctuary was one of the sponsors, as was um, Fellowship of Isis, a branch from the headquarters in Ireland, as well as a branch from the USA, Covenant of the Goddess, and the Earth Spirit Community. So um, there were five pagan groups that were among the 200 that helped sponsor that centennial parliament. The parliament began with an opening plenary and that plenary included a procession into the huge conference room that held thousands of people. Each of the sponsoring groups was permitted to have five representatives um, be part of the procession. As the convener of the Circle Sanctuary delegation, I thought it was important amongst the members of our community that would be walking in the procession that we would have different forms of paganism that were part of the circle sanctuary community to be present. So um, we had people who were echo spirituality and people who were taking part in identifying in a more blended form um, that had um, Native American heritage their ancestral practices that have also included contemporary paganism, had a druid, and we also had a feminist um, spirituality practitioner and myself um, with the circle craft tradition. Uh, one thing about the different pagan groups and the representatives, we were colorfully dressed. Uh, some were in, uh, uniform colored robes and others more diverse in dress, such as um, with us, with Circle Sanctuary. And one of the most powerful things for me as that parliament opened was being able to be part of that world religions community that was rebirthing itself in Chicago, where the very same city where the parliament had done that historic convening of so many 
people from different traditions then. And that was held in connection with a World's Fair in Chicago back in 1893. And some of the suffragists in the US and in England were at that parliament speaking out on behalf of equal rights for women. As we gathered to process um, in the opening plenary, we had a chance to connect with different people from other traditions. And it was a great collaboration and networking opportunity. The opening plenary was beautiful. Um, it, the procession looked really looked wonderful. I experienced it as a great delight myself personally. And on the stage, there were religious leaders from a number of different traditions, each doing blessings for the parliament. Well, from the nature-centered and God the spirituality traditions, Lady Olivia Robertson, um, who co-founded the Fellowship of Isis in 1976, was one of those who did a blessing. She was the only one to do a blessing that called in the goddess and nature spirits. What she did was just beautiful. However, um, some people with the Greek Orthodox tradition were not happy that pagans were included in the procession and were helping to sponsor it. And as a result of that procession and that blessing, they not only marched out of the parliament, but they made some headlines. And as a result of them disassociating with the parliament because they were not yet at a point of being inclusive and welcoming and having equality across the different religious traditions. We got all sorts of headlines. And that fact alone raised the signal that there were pagans at the parliament. Circle Sanctuary had a booth in the exhibit area and we had a chance to network with a variety of people there we were one of the few um uh, pagan groups that that had a booth and we actually because of our multiple networking um, had people from a variety of different pagan traditions um, putting some literature at our booth and we were open to, to doing that so um, I, when I spoke at the parliament, I actually was um, convening an interfaith um, panel on um, questing for vision. And I have many other experiences from that very first centennial parliament of more contemporary times. Uh, that really have had a lasting um, impact on me as well as Circle Sanctuary and have contributed in their own way to um, the growth of paganism in its interfaith world. Lady Olivia Robertson and I were invited to a private session at the parliament, um, which was a Buddhist Roman Catholic dialogue with the Dalai Lama 
and some Roman Catholics, including some from the Vatican. And uh, we were among the people of other faiths that were there and included. And that was the first time that I had the opportunity to actually um, shake hands and meet the Dalai Lama. I also had a chance, uh, along with some other people from the Circle Sanctuary delegation, to connect for with the very first time with elders and lore keepers and activists from a variety of Native American communities, tribes, and nations. And I was at a private meeting and were giving support to those there who were really seeking um, to stop the discrimination against Native American paths of spirituality. Uh, many good stories at, uh, from that, um, that parliament. And that parliament was so successful that it led to parliament in 1999 in Cape Town, South Africa, in 2004 in Barcelona, Spain, in 2009 in Melbourne, Australia, in 2015 Salt Lake City, Utah, in 2018 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, 2021, it was online due to COVID, and the most current Parliament of the World's Religions is happening in August of 2023. And Circle Sanctuary and I have been involved in all of these parliaments. And I can tell you from direct involvement that much has happened since 19. Um, 70s and from that first parliament, uh, Centennial One in 1993, um, where there was concerns expressed about including pagans. Well, we now, over the years, not only have more pagan traditions and practitioners, and including religious leaders, taking part in the Parliament of the World's Religions, but there have been and continues to be pagans who are involved in the parliament administration. And so there is much more um, understanding and equality happening within that particular form of world religions convergence. There have been some other important um, milestones along the way. In Harvard um, University in the USA, Dr. Diana Eck and others birthed what was known as the Pluralism Project. And paganism was one of 15 world religions that were part of that research project. And the CD-ROM that came out of it in the 1990s called On Common Ground included paganism alongside these other world religions. That has been an excellent educational tool when it came out. And there's a website, pluralism.org, and it continues. It's now an online resource and research is continuing to be done. It's an excellent um, 
resource to learn about all the world's religions, and I am very glad to report that paganism is very much part of that. In 2007, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, after a 10-year legal battle, and we have some other podcasts that talk about that, um, finally put the pinnacle, the encircled five-pointed star that's a symbol of not only Wicca and witchcraft and other pagan, many other pagan traditions, on its list of emblems of belief, but it's now been put on grave markers, several hundred grave markers of deceased veterans. And the, that battle brought visibility to paganism as religion and as world religion. That victory boosted the signal of paganism even before social media was really that much of a thing, um, the victory of the VA finally adding our symbol to the list brought all sorts of attention um, worldwide and media coverage. And one of the things that came out of that was the BBC actually came to Circle Sanctuary at a ceremony that I helped facilitate there, as well as um, were on July 4th at Arlington National Cemetery uh, through some special arrangements I helped um, negotiate, um, were able to cover the dedication of the first interfaith VA-issued memorial marker a Christian cross on one side and a pinnacle on the other. And Covenant of the Goddess, um, the Karelian tradition, the Sacred Well tradition, Covenant of Unitarian Universalist Pagans, um, a number of pagan groups were all part of Circle Sanctuaries effort along with Aquarian Tabernacle Church that really helped bring that victory um, to bear. And I want to give thanks to Americans United for separation of church and state who represented Circle Sanctuary and um, those who were seeking to get the pinnacle on for their deceased veteran loved ones and also give thanks to the ACLU and all the others that were part of that important victory. I, I really see that over the years, paganism is continuing to diversify. It's continuing to be, to grow in its different forms. And there continues to be religious freedom victories where pagans are winning the rights to be able to practice um, their religion alongside others who practice other religions. And the, for more information about the whole quest for pagan rights, I invite you to go to the Circle Sanctuary website and look at our Lady Liberty League um, part of our website. And we've been doing that work since 1985 when there was an attempt um, to take away um, church status from Wiccan groups. So there have been advances in pagan rights that have contributed 
to a greater understanding of paganism as world religion. However, there's also been, continued to be attacks on paganism. And we wanna celebrate the victories, but we need to be vigilant and collaborative as we not only stand up for the rights of religious freedom, the ability to, to believe and practice our religions, not only in the USA, but this is a human right. And we need to have a world where people are free to practice their beliefs as long as their beliefs are not harming other religions and religious practitioners. I am going to be among those in the Circle of Sanctuary delegation. We have um, close to 30 people in our delegation who will be at the 2023 Parliament of the World's Religions. And I invite you to connect with the Circle Sanctuary website, circlesanctuary.org, and our social media to get some views of paganism as world religion at this latest form of the Parliament of World's Religions. I invite you to join me and others in working for greater understanding of paganism as a world religion and to work together, not only so pagans are free to practice their religion, not only across the US, but all around the world, but to really create a world where there is more freedom equity, diversity, inclusion, love, collaboration, cooperation. We need to find good ways to work together for the benefit of humankind, but also for the greater biosphere of which we are a part here on planet Earth and beyond. Let us celebrate paganism as world religion. Let us cooperate to bring about greater understanding amongst pagans about world religions and us being part of that. And let us help educate others about the importance of having a world with religious freedom true religious freedom that harms none. Many blessings and thank you for being part of paganism as world religion. For more information about Circle Sanctuary's interfaith work, please go to our website, circlesanctuary.org and check out uh, my social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, on Twitter and Threads, on YouTube, and yes, I'm on TikTok now, and Circle Sanctuary also has a presence on some of those platforms, and we have some recordings about paganism as world religion, some rituals we've actually done 
including the online parliament at the Circle Sanctuary YouTube channel, and I also have some info there. And be sure to check out our archive of CSNP podcast. We have nearly a thousand podcasts on many different subjects, including interfaith ones. Thank you all for being part of this podcast. And until next time, we celebrate the circle of nature and we collaborate for a healthier planet and a healthier universe. So be it. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.